Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Perhaps you had some anticipation for this Ash Wednesday worship service because of the somewhat different format of the worship service, especially including the imposition of ashes during the worship service, which maybe that's something that is familiar to you because you grew up with that practice. Uh, but probably for many of us, it's a relatively new experience for us, at, at least uh, receiving it personally. And maybe you're still not quite sure exactly how you feel about this practice, and, and that's okay too. There are certainly some perfectly valid reasons for preferring not to do it, but also a number of reasons why it could be a, a beneficial practice. As we mentioned, ashes symbolize sorrow for what we have been in the past and what we have done to offend God and, and, and to sin against other people. People of ancient times, especially as mentioned in the Bible, used to cover themselves with sackcloth. Uh, think of a, a very rough, coarse uh, kind of fabric used, uh, not for clothing generally, but for like a, carrying potatoes or something like that. Putting that uh, on as your clothing intentionally uncomfortable, and then going and sitting in the ash pile to show their sadness over some grievous sin that was weighing heavily on their heart and mind. The ashes that some of you received tonight were applied to your forehead in the shape of a cross to remind you, to remind each other, that simply being sorry is not enough. Just being sad about sins we have committed won't get rid of the guilt of those sins. Rather, true repentance includes faith in Jesus and the death that he died to pay for those sins on the cross. Only the cross of Jesus can take away sadness and change it into gladness. Only the cross of Jesus can take away the broken heart and make it whole and glad again. And so tonight, as we, some of us, receive on our foreheads the, the mark of ashes, God's word calls us to think about after the ashes, then what? Now, of course, we're, we should be concerned that this imposition of ashes doesn't simply become a, a custom, a, a ritual, that is just simply this outward action and nothing more than that. Ash Wednesday doesn't help us at all spiritually if it's simply just another observance or ritual or custom or tradition that we don't think about why and what we are doing. In fact, all of Lent and our, uh, the season of Lent and, and any, anything you might give up for Lent, any fasting you might do during Lent, all of that does absolutely no good if it doesn't last in your heart and if it doesn't bring change to your life. What will be the net effect if the sadness over sin and the joy over the pronouncement of forgiveness does not last for you in your heart beyond the worship service this evening? St. Paul says that the effect that God wants us to have from hearing the pronouncement of forgiveness is first of all that we become God's righteous people. 
Paul writes in, in verse 21 of our reading, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. This is the first transaction that will take place. And we'll recognize uh, and categorize the principal characters in this drama that we see play out, that we see the Apostle Paul describing, and that we will continue to see in the coming weeks during Lent as we read about the passion history, the history of the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus, referred to here just by some pronouns. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Who is that him? We know who the us is. But the him who had no sin that God made to become sin for us, that is the almighty, eternal Son of God himself who willingly for us became a lowly human being. And us, we, me, I myself, I'm a very disobedient, rebellious, ungrateful creature who has disobeyed God in every imaginable way. He stands for everything pure and noble, but I, by myself, stand for all that is selfish, cheap, tawdry, self-destructive. All I deserve is rejection and punishment from God. Yet, Jesus, he is ready to make himself responsible for what I am. Never does his perfection shine through more than when he opts willingly, he chooses willingly to take my hatefulness, my dishonesty, my sordid sexuality, my hypocrisy, and lay it upon his own shoulders, upon his own conscience. He willingly subjects himself to the punishment that my violence, my profanity, my apathy, my stubborn stupidity deserves. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. What we're doing here tonight is described in the familiar hymn by hymn writer Horatius Bonar. Now sit and put yourself under the words that he wrote. I lay my sins on Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. He bears them all and frees us from the accursed load. I bring my guilt to Jesus to wash my crimson stains, clean in his blood most precious, till not a spot remains. So are you doing that tonight with the mixed emotions that we talked about earlier? Have you started your journey on the way of sorrows through that we will continue through this Lenten season in order to think about one more time the immense love that Jesus has for you? Do you feel deeply in your heart how desperately you need to have Jesus care for you this way to, to cleanse your crimson stains? In the beloved Lenten hymn, Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted, the hymn writer puts it this way, You who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here at Jesus' cross, 
may view its nature rightly. Here, its guilt may estimate. Only at the cross of Jesus do we truly understand the reality and depth of our sins. And so after receiving the mark of ashes, we have a better understanding of the enormity, the seriousness of our sins. And Jesus' tremendous dedication to save us from them. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we let Jesus carry my sin away from me as far as the east is from the west. And then wonder of wonders, as God assures us through his messenger Paul, we become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. As much as I am convicted that he became the worst of all things for me, the lowliest of of the low, the greatest of criminals, the dregs of humanity, that is what he literally became for me and to save me. So also because of the promise of his word, I become convinced that now I am recognized by my heavenly Father as the very holiness of Jesus personified because of him. In him, I have no faults, no flaws, nothing to criticize, nothing to condemn, absolute perfection. That is what I have and what I am because of Jesus, my Savior. Are you totally aware tonight that because of the cross of Jesus, you are the sinless son or daughter of God, and that no guilt can ever again disturb you, that no sin can ever again cause you to feel guilt and to be trapped in the web of of deceit and shame that the devil tries to spin around you? Are you ready to stand with all the saints and to claim the spotless perfection that your Savior lays upon you? Of course, it's true, as you know, that your sinful nature will still hang on and try to drag you down, that the devil will do his worst to derail you in this new life that Jesus has won for you. You can be absolutely certain because of the cross of Jesus that you are in God's sight a holy child of God, sinless, blameless, because you have been forgiven by your Savior. The blood of Jesus, God's Son, has made you clean. So be a member of God's righteous people by claiming your inheritance that Jesus has won for you with unwavering faith in him. Have you ever had the experience of being weighed down by the guilt of a particular sin that you have committed for a long time because you didn't confess that sin and that, that guilt just gnawed that your conscience and was, was, even though you tried to, to put it out of your mind, it was still there uh, deep in the recesses of your mind and, and you could never be free from it. It felt like you were slave to that guilt. But then finally, when you confess that sin, maybe to your pastor, maybe to a fellow Christian, maybe it was to the person that you sinned against, and you received the assurance of your forgiveness for Jesus' sake, it felt like a weight crushing weight had been lifted off your shoulders, like you had finally been set free from that trap of guilt and shame. 
true peace of mind comes only when we stop trying to hide our guilt and instead expose our guilt, expose our sin to the light of day, to the light of God's word, of his law, but ultimately to the forgiveness of that sin that God gives freely to us through Jesus, our Savior. And when we do so, by his grace, we are free at last. After the ashes, the righteousness of God. And the Apostle Paul goes on in our reading. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Another way of saying that would be, come, be God's friends again. Don't be his enemies, be his friends. And it should be pretty obvious to us that if we are God's righteous people through faith in Jesus as our Savior, then we are reconciled to him. And our reconciliation will make us intimately associated with our heavenly friend, with with God, our loving Father, every day. We most certainly will be his friends. Right on, says the Apostle Paul. Let that friendship with God be the hallmark of your life. Carry on that way every day of your life. So he pleads with us, he implores us, don't let this amazing grace of God be wasted. This is one of the most precious pieces of advice that you will ever get. Use what God makes available to you through the cross of his son Jesus, your Savior. Don't waste any of these spiritual resources that God freely offers to you in Jesus. And of course, we're talking about his word, about the gospel, the good news of the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus that we find in his word and also in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. God calls us to make use of this means of grace, to hear his word, to read it, meditate on it every chance we get. Let this word of his wash through our consciousness like a spiritual bath continually. Meditate on the, the wonderful truths of his forgiving love through Jesus every moment that you have, every moment that you can spare. And start especially during this season of Lent. So don't let tonight's Ash Wednesday worship service be the last Lenten worship service you attend. Rather, try your best to take them all in. Come on on the, the following Sundays and then during Holy Week as you hear read for you again from God's Word those events of the suffering and death of Jesus for your salvation. Take it all in. Listen to this story of God's Son giving himself, giving his life for you. And through those words, grow in your relationship with him. Take the body and blood of Jesus that he gives to you in the Lord's Supper. Drink it. Eat it. Let that be the assurance of the full forgiveness of all of your sins that Jesus has already won for you. Let nothing that God has given to make you his friend just just sit there and be unused. Make full use of it for your spiritual well-being. And as you do so, as a result, you will become better friends with God, with your Heavenly Father, every day that goes by. And as a friend of God, you will tell him all your needs and you will let him help you, just as you would tell a dear friend and accept gladly the help that they offer to you. 
Whatever you aren't that you would like to be, tell him. Whatever you aren't doing that you would like to be doing according to his will, that you would like to do better, love, forgive, obey him gladly, share his word with others, give what you are and what you have so that his kingdom may spread far and wide, ask him to help you do these things. When you feel that your, your faith is a little weak, a little flat and lifeless, when you feel uh, like last week's dirty laundry that never quite made it through the wash cycle, when you wonder simply whether you can make it through another day, he will come through for you. He says, when the time comes to be kind, I will help those kind words come out of your mouth. And when the time comes to help and assist others, I will be the strength to give that assistance through you. So be God's friend. Let him help you. Just before the start of our reading of verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes, We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, of course, he is talking himself as an apostle, someone who had been specially commissioned by Jesus to go out and spread the good news about Jesus and, and his co-workers together with him. But also all of us Christians, all of us who have been led to know the indescribable love of God for us through Jesus, we have all been made God's ambassadors. We've all been entrusted with this wonderful good news of his love that he wants us to share with others, this indescribable gift of his grace that somehow and in some way he wants us to describe, to put into words and to tell others about. We also have been entrusted with this message of reconciliation, calling people not to be enemies of God, but to be his friends because Jesus has taken away our sins. One of the finest ways that, that we can use this privilege of being God's friends is to be his representatives. Even in the midst of a, of a world that is sometimes very skeptical, very cynical about the message of God's love for us, a, a world that is very often disoriented, spiritually sick, and dying, your words underlined by your spirit-led lifestyle, can show how great human life can be and how sweet it is to have God as your Father, to have Jesus Christ as your brother and the Holy Spirit as your helper. You, too, are an ambassador for Christ. Think about, for example, how in your life, when you've had a, a great experience, um, perhaps when, when you've been treated by a doctor who, who showed special care and concern and, and certainly was a master of, of his specialty and, and helped you uh, to, to heal from some illness or disease or recover from some injury, and how you just want to tell other people about that wonderful experience you had with that amazing doctor, and if they ever needed to, to give a referral to them, and, and then how glad they are to receive that advice and to receive that referral. This is what you will do as God's witnesses. What a privilege that is. When we testify as God's witnesses, as his ambassadors, what great things can happen 
when people hear that referral that we make of how amazing God's love has been in our lives, changing our lives, giving us the assurance that our guilt is washed away and we are at peace with God. What amazing things that can work in the lives of others around us. The best thing that, about uh, all that comes after the ashes is the instant future that we have. The future that we have of, of knowing that we have eternal life with God, but we don't have to wait for that eternal life to begin. That eternal life is ours right now. Yes, we don't get all the glory of heaven right now, but we get peace with God right now in our lives. And so the Apostle Paul again, implores us, he pleads with us to recognize that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Through faith in Jesus, you can today have eternal life. Life that begins and will never end, that will continue even beyond the death of your body when Jesus raises you back to life. So the ashes that you perhaps received tonight indicate the reality in your life. Yes, you realize how sinful, how lost, how empty, how dead you are without the gracious and saving touch of Jesus on your life. But when you wear his cross in your heart, not just on your forehead or on a chain around your neck, but in your heart through faith, when you call on his saving name, whether it's for the first time or the 5,000th time, his love comes through. His help is there. His life courses through your inner being instantly, always, and forever. And you have the privilege to tell the whole world about this amazing change God has worked in. After the ashes, the righteousness of God that is yours now and will be yours forever by his grace. God grant it to each one.